I am very excited today to have Dan and Janelle Campbell with us. These folks understand missions. They've been on the mission field a good portion of their adult life. And in fact, Dan was raised in Argentina. He grew up in Argentina as a missionary kid. And as God would have it, then he called Dan and Janelle to serve on the mission field. And they've served as missionaries in Argentina, Venezuela, Ecuador, and Costa Rica. Planning churches, holding evangelistic crusades, and starting Bible schools. How exciting. How thrilling. They've had the privilege of serving as senior pastors back here in Southern California over the last 13 years. And God, as he always does, opens and closes doors. And God recently closed the door to pastor and opened a brand new door for the Campbells. Dan now serves as the missions operation director for the Southern California Network. And Dan, we're just, we're thrilled with what God is doing. I, I know that this is a strategic appointment by God at the, net, at the network and at this time. And I really believe that God is going to do something extraordinary through this department under your leadership. You. Most importantly, I want to introduce to you my friend, Dan Campbell. Would you help me welcome the Campbells today? Muchas gracias, Pastor. Es un gusto estar con ustedes hoy. Qué bueno es estar en la casa del Señor. Amén. I got two hallelujahs. All right. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. It's great being here. Thank you again, Pastor, for the invitation. It is, it's just great. We really feel at home. It's wonderful being here. I want to start off by saying thank you because when Janelle and I first left for Argentina, uh, how many years ago? 1985. You folks were one of the first churches that picked us up for support and helped us go. So everything that I share with you, you've had a part in that and making that happen. So thank you. I was deeply moved by seeing all the flags and, you know, because it's all about the whole world and everything that God's putting together. I feel right at home, Pastor. You got the Argentine flag right up front. So we are good. Lord willing, we're going to win the World Cup this year. Any soccer fans in the house? Yeah, good. Argentina, the second one I root for is the U.S., obviously. And after that, any of our Latin countries. But not that God cares about any about those things, but we kind of do. And by the way, I hope you're praying for the Dodgers. They need lots of prayer these days. But it is good. So good stuff. I want to commend you, Pastor. You guys did an awesome job. Your missions booklet has all the missionaries in there that you support and all the wonderful things that you guys are doing. Your church has an incredible reputation as being one of those who deeply involved in missions and the reason we do all of this is because we want everybody to hear the good news about Jesus. I don't know about you, but I think Jesus is worth knowing. Anybody else? Want? And if he's worth knowing, then I want those others around to have opportunity to do that as well. Matter of fact, the other day I walked into the bank as I was going in, a lady sitting behind the desk, this uh, over here practically jumped over the desk and she goes, Dan, Dan, real quietly like that. Says, I want to change religions. Well, I don't know about you. I've never had that happen to me before. <clears throat> now you expect people to come to the Lord at church, but never in the bank. See, I'd met Sharin about five years before that. She was one of the cashiers at that time. And about the second time we met, she said, you're the pastor of the church across the freeway, aren't you? I go, yeah. She says, well, I'm Muslim. 
So, okay. I don't know what response or what else she wanted after that, but it took a while, but God did some fantastic things in her life. You see, what I didn't realize that day that I do now is we have over 300,000 Persians in L.A. and Orange County. That's a lot of folks. You know, you see things, and you know, we got people from all over the world here because that's just a small snapshot of everybody that's come to Southern California. I understand why they want to come. I like living here. Anybody else? It's a pretty good place, isn't it? Got a lot of things that we need, especially in other ways, but that's for another day. But I'm glad here, but that's just a small snapshot of all those that have come, and boy, do they need Jesus. I'm excited about the doors that God is opening, but you know, recent statistics tell us that 86% of all Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists have never met one true follower of Jesus. I don't know how they come up with all those numbers, but that, that gets to me because there's something that's not right about that. You see, I've had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. You've had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. It's not fair for somebody else to never have. And that's why we do all this because we want to have everybody involved, everybody plugged in, so that everybody has a chance to hear the good news. And I'm excited about that. But there's one problem with all this. We don't have enough missionaries to reach our local communities and those that have need abroad. So God is stirring some things up because we want to do that. One of my friends, his name is Dave, decided to do something, rent a little storefront in downtown LA, one of those strip malls to start a church to reach this particular group of people. And you know, I believe the Holy Spirit guides our steps. Anybody else there? How about those that don't know Jesus? Do you believe he can guide their steps too? Oh man, absolutely. So anyway, Dave got it going. Sam and Nazanin just arrived from Iran. They're getting settled here. They're trying to figure their way out. And, you know, learning the freeways in L.A. can be a major challenge, at least in Orange County. We got it together. But those folks up in L.A., they just anyway. And one of those things that happened, they got a traffic ticket, had to go to court, appeared before the judge. The judge found out the recent immigrants felt for them and said, OK, instead of paying, you can take care of it through community service on their way out the door. One of the officers said, you can take care of it at your local mosque. I'm talking about Southern California, not in another country. Imagine that. So they go out, they get the direction, they drive there, find the place, go there, and the place is closed. Totally shut down. They're looking around, don't know what to do. Knock on the door like you and I would do with the business next door. See, find out, do you know where it's at? Nobody seemed to do. Went over, knocked on this door. Gentlemen opened the door. They began to talk. He invited them in. What can we do? And they realized they both were speaking English with an accent and uh, realized they were from the same country. And boy, they were excited. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in a land where you don't speak or understand the language and you happen to run into somebody else that speaks English, they instantly become your best friend because you can finally communicate. Well, anyway, they had some tea, started talking. What is it that you need? What can we help you with? And community service said, well, we'll be happy to help you with that. Matter of fact, you can start next Tuesday. And if you want to do it faster, we can help you through it. We meet on Fridays. We also meet on Sundays. What Dave didn't tell him was Tuesday night was Bible study. You see, he figured if he could expose them to Jesus, they would come to know him just like he had years before. Well, the good news is it wasn't long, a couple months after that, that both Sam and Nazanin came to know Jesus as their Savior. And I'm excited about that. That is an incredible thing, how God put all those people together. But our challenge is we still don't have enough help. 
because we got a whole world at our doorstep that is hungry and needs to know all the good news, all the incredible things about Jesus. So what do we do about that? How does all this, how do we work all these things out? How do we put the pieces together? Well, I think it was the Apostle Paul that was having the challenge, trying to figure out, because he understood the same thing. And Pastor, we're on the same page because we got the same verse for today. It's from Romans chapter 10. You know, well, Pastor, you just quoted it because dealing with this issue. And he said, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And then how can they believe in him? They've never heard about him. And he just goes through a logical progression. And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anybody go and tell them unless they're sent? Two takeaways I have from this is you're either a goer or a sender. Can you say that out loud with me? Say goer and sender. But the truth is that God's called us to be both. God's called you to be a goer and a sender. We don't have the option of choosing this one or that one. And one of the ways that we do the going is through faith promises. A little while, you're going to get one of these cards. It's very simple. Pastor will explain that to you. But I love faith promises because it doesn't depend on me. It depends on him. A lot of people are skeptical and wonder. First time we did it at our church down in San Juan, one of my board members was a little upset with me, and he thought I was a little nuts. Well, I just told him, you know, you don't have to think about it. I'll just confirm it. I am nuts. I like to do things a little bit differently, but you got to understand what a faith promise is. What can I believe God to channel through us to help bless the cause of missions? And uh, it took a little while. I explained it again. He got, okay, well, pastor's crazy. Might as well. So he wrote down a crazy number. He'd never done this before. So he wrote down thousand dollars a month. Wow. I like that kind of faith. But he was doing it more as a challenge to me. But it doesn't depend on me. It's on God. So anyway, he comes to see me a couple months later. He's a podiatrist, works down uh, one of the hospitals in South County. And uh, he looks at me and he goes, you're not going to believe what happened. I love it when people do that because I know God just did something for them. He said, this never happened before. He says, you know, as doctors, we got to get uh, malpractice insurance and I got to get insurance for this and that. And then he says, I got a check in the mail. Matter of fact, he was holding it because he wanted me to show it because he still didn't believe it. He said, they sent me a refund. I said, really? How much? He goes, $12,000. And I go, you know, that insurance need, company needs to support Jesus, doesn't it? They need to send some of I said, see, you never know how God's going to put it together. The point is it depends on him. And then he uses us a channel because it takes money to send people to another country and all those things. But that's an exciting part. Paul understood that. So you're a goer and a sender. The other part is, I was practically born in church nursery, raised there all my life, and all I've ever known is Jesus. And all my life, every time we come to church, we pray for revival. Anybody else ever done that? Anybody here prayed for revival? What I found fascinating is I read through the Gospels, never once does Jesus say we need to pray for revival. Did you know that? Listen to this verse. This is Luke 10, 2. Jesus was talking to his disciples, those around them. He said, the harvest is great, but the workers are, I see, you know that one already, don't you? So this is how he tells us to pray. He said, so pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. The harvest is what? Great workers are 
few. So the problem isn't with the harvest, is it? Where's the problem? The workers. Yeah, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out. It's the, it's the workers. And who's the workers? Us. It's you and me. Guess who's the problem? We are. The harvest is great. Matter of fact, I think our culture, our world today is more hungry for the gospel than ever. You go, why, why do you say that? Because it seems like everything in our culture comes against Christianity. Well, it does. I'm sorry. But you know, our whole culture is interested. They're fascinated with the supernatural. They want to know all this. Stuff. They want to know about all the extraterrestrials. They want to know all the black magic. They want to know about vampires. They want to know about all these weird things. They're very open and interested. The problem is they're looking for it in all the wrong places. You know that. And you and I have the answer because we know the greatest supernatural being there ever has existed. That we're connected to. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And they're ready to see that. They're hungry for that, just waiting for that to be exposed. So the problem isn't with the harvest. The problem is where? It's you and me. You and me. So Janelle and I have felt God call us to help be an answer to that. So we've committed the rest of our lives to recruit, to train, to release the next generation of missionaries. Our network, our churches here in Southern California used to average about 10% of our entire missions force from the United States. We came home first time from the mission field back in the late 80s. We had 175 foreign missionaries just from our churches here in Southern Cal. Today, the number is 103. It needs to be going the other direction. And I'm ready to see God do that once again. You see, you and I are the fruit of what God did here in L.A. And then it spread around a little over 100 years ago. We're the fruit of that. And from here, there's missionaries went all over the world. And I'm ready to see God do that again. That's my dream, that Southern California would become a launching pad to help us reach our local communities and to help us reach around the globe at one shot. That's my dream. I'm excited because I'm hungry for God to see that doing. Let me get back to my story about Sam and Nazanin. I told you about them coming to Jesus. What excites me today is Sam is one of my best friends. Five years ago, we started a Persian church down at our church in San Juan. And since that time, I've had the privilege of baptizing over 40 of our Persian brothers and sisters who've come to Jesus. That is, that is fascinating. That's a, that's a blessing to me. It all started because somebody was willing to do something different, to reach a different group. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to open up and do? Sharon, who's the bank officer, about half of her family now are followers of Jesus. When I baptized her brother-in-law about five months ago on a Sunday night, a little bit longer than that, the entire family that came to the service had never been to church once in their entire life. That's here in Southern California. Never been once. But they're hungry, they're open, they're looking for that. But we don't have enough missionaries. I'm here recruiting. Everybody smile at me. I'm looking for you because God's, God's gifted you. And there's people that need to hear and need to receive exactly what God has given you. But my prayer is that God would help us to fulfill the Great Commission. I'm hungry for more of God. More than that, I'm ready to see Jesus. Anybody else with me? You ready? Now, I'm not ready to die. Don't misunderstand, but I'm ready to see him. But he ain't coming back until we finish the job he gave us to do. Over half the world's population still hasn't had an adequate witness of the gospel. Let me put it a different way. There are more people alive today that don't know Jesus than all those that have died starting yesterday and going all the way back to Adam and Eve. That's a lot of people. 
simply need to be told the good news. So what are we doing to tackle this task that is so huge? How do we fulfill the Great Commission? Well, our missions department is focusing on three basic areas. First one's partnership. We want you to know that we're not in this alone. Our fellowships in over 250 countries, territories, and provinces. At the end of last year, we got over 8,000 missionaries, and we're not doing this alone. Had the pleasure of helping start the missions department in Argentina and in Ecuador, and those countries are now sending missionaries as well to places where the gospel has not gone to yet. There are some exciting things happening, doors that God is opening, because they can go to places that you and I couldn't as a U.S. citizen, but God's opened the door for them. Second thing we're focusing on is a suffering church. A lot of people go to church today with a very heavy price. Just got back from Cuba a couple of weeks ago. I go there every chance I get because, Pastor, I get my batteries charged. There's something about that. A church that has come through the fires of persecution, there's just a different type. I mean, it costs those people to come to church on Sunday. It costs something to serve the Lord. Usually get to stay with our pastors. What I always enjoy the most is hearing their testimonies, how they came to the Lord, what they've been through. Last one I stayed with was Alfredo and Blanquita. And uh, he just graduated from college when Castro took over. And the regime had came in, and one of his goals was to stamp out Christianity in the entire island. Well, Alfredo's mom had led him to the Lord, and he lived in a rural area, the eastern side of the island, and uh, just a little church. And he graduated with his degree in pharmacology, so he's a town pharmacist. So he had his job. He'd preach on Sundays. Well, when they came in, they told him to stop preaching. None of that was allowed anymore. Well, he preached Sunday. They came, arrested him, took him to jail, beat him, tortured him, would release him on Wednesday or Thursday because the town needed their pharmacist with the admonition, don't preach again or we'll repeat the process. Well, he preached on Sunday. They came, arrested him, took him, beat him, tortured him physically. Wednesday, Thursday, they'd release him so he could go back to work, and the process continued like that every week for over two years. Now, can let's stop and be honest here for a minute. Not that we're dishonest, but I could probably handle that one time, mainly because I didn't know what was coming. Second time, ugh. third time, I would fervently be praying that God would call Pastor Steve to go preach for me. <laughs> Can you imagine going through that for that amount of time? Or how about this? Let's do it this way. If you came to church this morning, but you knew that by the time you got home, you would be beaten and abused simply because you came to church. So you'd think twice about coming to church next Sunday, wouldn't you? What if it happened again? He'd say, you know, Pastor, I'm going to have church at home. Hello? Yes, most of us would probably say that. Don't forget the suffering church. So talking to Alfredo, and I wanted him to tell me all the stories, and he did. We talked for three days about everything that God had been doing and the miracles and the revival that had happened. But one of the ones that happened years later, he was pastoring in Havana. It was illegal to own a Bible. If I just say, how many of you have more than one Bible? Or if you're like me, now you carry it in your phone. Man, that's very convenient and handy. I mean, we got more. We got 30 different versions. We have all that. Well, imagine it being totally illegal. So this particular Wednesday night, Noemi was going to Bible study. She was carrying her Bible, which probably wasn't the smartest thing to do since she knew it was illegal. You know, you should be a good Christian like we are in Southern Cal, and you hide it in your pocket or you hide it in your purse or you stick it somewhere. You know. but anyway, she was carrying it to my church, and the police spotted her, picked her up, her, took her to the office, took her in the interrogation room, began asking her questions. What were you doing? You know, this is illegal. One of the officers opened her Bible, and there under the front cover was the picture of Federico. 
And, she lo- and the officer looks at her and says, what are you doing with Federico's picture in your Bible? What I didn't tell you was at that time, Federico was one of Castro's right-hand men. And she answered in Spanish with a very strong word. We don't quite have one that good in English. But she basically said, because I birthed him. And he looks at her and says, you're Federico's mom. See, Federico was one of Castro's right-hand guys and helping him out. You probably not a smart thing to mess with his mom. So he ran to the sergeant, sergeant lieutenant, went up the food chain, however far it needed to go. The offshoot of that was that she got a police escort back to church. <laughs> and from then on, it was okay to have a Bible because Federico's mom had had a Bible. Now, that's not why she had his picture in her Bible. She had his his picture in her Bible because she was praying every day that he'd come back to Jesus. But you see, God uses a whole different variety of things, and you never know what it is that he's putting together to accomplish his purpose. The exciting thing to me is today there's somewhere between uh, roughly around 600,000 brothers and sisters of ours in our churches scattered throughout that island that are worshiping the Lord today out of a population of about 12 million. Why? Because somebody's willing to stand out and say, you know, Jesus is worth knowing. and You need to know him too. Third area that we're focusing on is our unreached people groups. The gospel's covered. It's gone to every geographical nation on the planet. They tell us there's somewhere between six and 7,000 people groups that still remain unreached. That's our call. You see, nobody really has the right to hear the gospel more than once when there remains a whole bunch of people that haven't heard it one time. I would venture to say all of us here have heard the gospel at least twice. Would that be a fair assumption? At least twice. If you're like me, you've heard it quite a few more times. But we want to make sure that we get So my dream, my prayer is that Southern Cal would once again become a launching pad. A whole new generation of missionaries. Help us to reach our world. We're focusing on three initiatives in our network. Apostolos, Live Dead, and Mission 111. Let me start with Apostolos. That has to do with the largest nation on the planet today, population-wise. And you know what that is, don't you? Where do you buy most of your products? Where do they come from today? China. If they haven't passed it yet, somewhere about one and a half billion people. Now, that number's so huge, I, it's, I, I don't know. I can write the number, but I still don't know how much that is. That's roughly five times the population of the United States. And we got some 300-plus million. That's a lot of folks. Now, there has been a great revival in China. I didn't understand how this all works until recently because I just put them all together. But there are approximately 100 million brothers and sisters of ours over there right now that they know of. But that has been mainly among the Hun people. That's about 900 million. Huns, that's the ethnic Chinese. The other 600 million is about 30 different ethnicities, most of which don't have a single gospel witness. The one I'm thinking of this morning is the way people, there are about 60 million of them, and there is not one single known Christian amongst that group. 60 million. That's a little less than twice the population of California. So I'm trying to put it in terms that we understand. Can you imagine two Californias? Not one single Christian. Not one single Christian. I mean, we'd be huge if we were not. The good news is that's the groups we're targeting. And I'm recruiting. Had a young lady this morning come up and says, I'm interested in China. I feel God's touching me. 
I'm looking for you. Now, here's the, see, it's, it's not the age. God is looking for those who are hungry, available, and simply said, yeah, go. You know what the biggest door in China is for us right now is teaching English in the universities. Our director for uh, that part of the world was at a meeting a short time ago with one of the college university presidents. And sitting across the table, he looked at Ron and says, we know who you are. And I said, Ron, what did he mean by that? He said, he knows that we're missionaries. He went on to say that this man was saying, we have tried all the other non-faith-based groups and they come over here, but the problem is they have loose morals, they get drunk, they sleep with our students and we don't like what they're doing. So we kicked them all out of the country. Boy, wouldn't that be interesting if we kicked everybody out that we didn't like what they're doing. But anyway, they can do that over there. But he said, I like the people that you bring over here. Matter of fact, if, you could have, if we could bring a thousand of them, just like the ones you've been sending, he said, I could place them in universities across China tomorrow. Now, you know what else they do? They give you a small apartment to live in and give you a stipend to live on. And you know who's doing that? Chinese government. Can you imagine the UC or the Cal State system doing that? How about UCLA coming here to La Palma and saying, Pastor Steve, is there some folks you could send to help teach English up at our school? And we'll give an apartment, we'll give them a stipend to live on. Can you imagine our schools doing that? That's the equivalent of what's going on. Open door. And a whole bunch of other areas that God is opening up to help us reach. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to know the Lord. Gentlemen, another part of our uh, district uh, is finishing his last year of teaching school. He's retiring and he says, I want you to sign me up. If God will help me, I want to go over there. So it doesn't matter where you're at. For this one to teach English, you just have to have a college degree. It doesn't matter what major it is because uh, they have all the curriculum. It just gets it going and it opens up. And through relationships, God's doing some wonderful things. Live Dead is the second one. That is targeting the major Muslim cities in North Africa and the Middle East. You probably weren't aware that we have a team in Benghazi, in Cairo, one in Sudan, one in Somalia, and several of them in the countries that end with Stan. The work they do over there is quite different because most of that has to be under the radar. And it's all through making connections and relationships. We're asking our young adults and our adults and those of us young like me that think they're still young to give a year, to give two years to help us to reach those that still need to hear the good news. Third one is Mission 111 started our church in Bakersfield. As a local church, they wanted to do something that would have an impact on the world. We can't affect everybody, but we could do a different, we can make a difference right here. So they started <clears throat> putting together a team and uh, asking young adults to give three months, six weeks of training there at the church, and then six weeks in Ethiopia to help reach a tribe that had not heard the gospel yet. And so they've been doing that for the last four years. We had a team just get back about four months ago. And um, when they got there, they'd done all the prep work, gotten everything ready, all set, good to go, and all of a sudden the door closed. No surprise there to me because that's usually the way the enemy tries to work. When you're coming to share the good news, he'll put every obstacle in the way possible. But you know, God can use anybody. I'll try that one again in case you didn't hear. God can use anybody. So you know who he used? The witch doctor. What an incredible person for God to use, right? That night he had a dream and God spoke to him and said, you need to hear the message that these people are bringing. 
So, you know, he's, if I could use this term, this is, don't, don't quote me in that, but he's basically the pastor, the spiritual pastor for those people. So he went to the chief the next day and said, God spoke to me. And they didn't question that. He said, we need to open the door for these folks to come in, which they did. And about half of that tribe now knows Jesus as their savior. God does and opens incredible doors. Started in Bakersfield, our church in Covina started, so we got two groups preparing right now, and they will be headed out in the next six weeks to go to Ethiopia to reach another tribe. You can take three tribes now off the unreached people groups because the gospel has gotten there. <clears throat> God continues to open doors. My dream is that we'd have centers like this all over our group of churches and sending to different countries because uh, that's the dream because we want to help reach all those who have not had opportunity to hear. So what does all this look like? Why do we put flesh and blood on it? Well, Carrie's a USC graduate. Go Trojans, and they need help too. Anyway, um, got her degree as a biomedical engineer, worked for one of our pharmaceuticals here, had a great career, worked for him about 10 years. She felt God calling her to have something else to go and do, but she had a great career. Things were doing great. So <clears throat> she signed up, but, you know, not very many companies give you three weeks vacation. So she went and talked to the boss, and so they gave her a leave of absence. She felt this is what God wanted. They all told her, Carrie, you need a baptism of the Holy Spirit before you go because you're going to confront darkness. You really need God's power on you. So she did. They prayed. She got filled. They got the whole team. They got over there, uh, went to one of the areas where they're going to go in. Before they go into one of the tribes, they usually have an open-air meeting and invite people to come to Jesus. The pastor had given the invitation. Lots of people had come forward, filled the altars, accept the Lord. And then he said, we believe in healing. We still do today, don't we? Yeah. And uh, so he said, if you are sick and need God to touch you, I want you to come down front. Our people are going to pray for you. And we're going to trust that God's going to heal you today. <clears throat> so Carrie lined up. She said, you know, I've seen God do all kinds of miracles through medical science because that was her talent, her gifting. That's what she, but she said. I'd never seen God do a miracle in front of me. So I said, lady came up for prayer, was totally blind. Eyes, she said, had the, I don't know if the cataracts or what it was, but like milky like substances covered her in front of her eyeballs, couldn't see anything. So said they said, Pray, we're believing God for miracles. She started praying. She says, I literally saw that whiteness, that milky like substance totally dissolve from her eyes. And all of a sudden that woman squealed. Well, you would too if all of a sudden your eyes were open and you could see, would you? And just shout, and you can imagine seeing your family for the first time and all all that excitement. Well, the offshoot of that is she felt God has called her to go there and be a missionary to Ethiopia came back, resigned her position with the company, and most of her colleagues are not believers. But they were so touched that guess who's helping support her now? Non-Christians are helping support her to tell people about Christ. If they get it, how much more should we? Hello? They helped them to take the good news. She's over there now. She came back because she's getting her ministerial credentials. She's getting her uh, full appointment and putting all the paperwork and things in order because she's giving her heart there. Where she's landed is a city called Junko. It's a couple of days by bus outside of the capital. And she went there, found the clinic, offered herself to the chief doctor. What can I do to help? She told him about it, but he's looking at this four foot eleven gringo and wondering what can she do. But she found the room where they had all their medical equipment and all the machines. And you know, the U.S. and Europe has given a lot of things to these different countries, and they'd received a lot. But if you don't have somebody that knows how to maintain them or knows how to run them, they don't do much good. Well, that day she got four machines running for them. 
They were so excited that the doctor came the next day, gave her keys to a little apartment there where the doctors stay. She's got her own little place, very humble, open the doors, and they love her there. The main reason is the doctors can only do so much. In the cases that they don't know what to do with, they bring them to carry and say, could you pray? Oh, I like that. I don't know about you, but I like those kind of things. So she was here about, uh, what's it been, five months ago, six months ago now to renew her passport, get her visa renewed, get her paperwork going here. She stayed with Janelle and I, and we kept her up late at night because I want to hear all her stories. And she said, Dan, i got to take this test, and if I know my Bible and the 16 fundamental truths and all that, and Judy, you'd understand all those things. She was all nervous about those goodies and how to I said, don't worry about it. And she says, and I don't know anything about this pastor stuff. I said, you're doing just fine the way you are. Don't worry about it. And so she's telling us the day before, two days before she flew home, this one doctor came and found her, and she had a man that she was bringing with her and says, this man, I can't do anything for him. He's deaf and dumb. I said, Carrie, could you pray for him? So she grabbed the doctor's hand, by the way, he's not a believer, and she grabbed the man's hand right there in the hall of the little clinic and started praying. And it wasn't more than a couple minutes later, all of a sudden, God loosened the man's tongue. And he began to speak perfectly in his native language, which he had never heard. And God opened his ears as well. And everybody's in shock. Well, you kind of would be too if you knew a certain and just looking and said, you know, it was just kind of like the book of Acts. She looks at me and she says, she's telling Janelle, and I said, said, you're speaking the praises of God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Right there in the hospital. And God is doing these kind of things. and change. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish. Don't want anybody to go to hell. He wants everybody to come to know Jesus as a Savior. One of our teams had gone in, and we send teams mainly now in one of the stand countries. And they got into this particular city where it's against the law to be a believer. You can't be a Christian, much less proselytize, as they would call it. So they're over here praying, Holy Spirit, give us direction, give us a strategy, help us to touch us. Because see, very often God allows us to be in places that we are totally dependent on him because we don't have a clue how this is going to work doesn't mean we haven't done our homework but we just don't have a clue does that make sense you know it but you don't know anything so they're over here praying seeking God and meanwhile you know the Holy Spirit always prepares things ahead of time you can't always most of the time you never see it but he's doing it while you're praying over here so meanwhile there was a woman over here that got ill husband took her to the doctor they get things checked out they gave her a prescription they gave her some treatment things nothing improved things slowly deteriorated finally she got so bad they had to admit her to the hospital after being there, things continued to progress to where it was so bad she slipped into a coma. She'd been in that state for a couple of weeks. This particular day or evening, the husband is there. The doctor comes in, gives him the news and says, sir, you need to get your house in order because we don't expect your wife to make it. What exciting news to go home to, right? Gets up the next morning, comes back to the hospital, goes to his wife's room, prepared for you know, what the doctor told him the night before. His wife was going to be gone. He opens the door, and all of a sudden, there she is standing beside her bed, starting to unhook the IV and starting to pull all the tubes and everything out. She turns around and says, Honey, guess what? The doctor was here this morning, told me I was well, and I can go home. 
And he's just kind of dumbfounded looking at her. Well, put yourself in his shoes. You heard what the doctor said the day before, and then all of a sudden, and she probably said something like this. This is Dan's imagination. Don't just stand there looking dumb. Come over here and help me get dressed, you know, because they give you such wonderful things to wear at the hospital. So got everything put together. They're walking out of the room. They go down the hall, go by the nurse's station. Nurse says, whoa, ma'am, where are you going? And she says, nurse, the doctor came by a few minutes ago, told me I was well and I can go home. And the nurse looks at her and says, ma'am, there's been no doctor here this morning. And she says, yeah, no, no, just a few minutes ago, the doctor was here, told me that I was well and I can go home. And put yourself in the nurse's shoes. You'd just been in checked on that woman an hour or so before that. She's in a coma. They're expecting her to die. They're surprised she's lived that long. And all those, she understands the reality of things. And all of a sudden, she's standing right in front of you in her right mind, fully dressed. What are you supposed to do as a nurse? So they're walking down. What I didn't tell you is they're in a Muslim nation in an old Orthodox hospital. As she's walking down the hall, she stops because there's a painting over here on this wall. And the woman stops and just looks and looks and turns around, hollers at the nurse, says, Nurse, who's the man here in the painting? That's the doctor that came to see me this morning. And the nurse looks and says, Well, you know, that's not possible because that's some guy named Jesus and he died a long time ago. So I get home. This woman really doesn't understand everything. All she knows is once she's dead, now she's alive. That kind of sounds biblical, doesn't it? So she goes to talk to God. We call it prayer, but she doesn't know all these things. And so she prays. She says, Dr. Jesus. I like the sound of that. I don't know about it. It just got a good ring to it, doesn't it? And she'd given birth to a little boy five years previously and because of complications at birth and everything he was born paralyzed from the waist down she said thank you for healing me but if possible is there anything that you could do for my son and she goes to sleep in the middle of the night husband hears a bunch of noise wakes up afraid somebody that is breaking into their apartment he opens a bedroom door looks down the hall and here's his five-year-old son that's never walked a day in his life, running up and down the hallway, bouncing off the walls, jumping up and down, all because Dr. Jesus had showed up. Now, see, you folks don't know anything about this because you've been saved and sanctified. You don't gossip. But over there, news like that just spread like crazy. I mean, everybody in their apartment building knew that the woman was in the hospital expected to die. Everybody knew this little boy was crippled. He's paralyzed. had never walked. And all of a sudden, everybody sees all this. And they go, what does this mean? What is going on? What a great question. Well, here's the offshoot. You know, as God does it, they got connected with our team that was over here praying, said, God, how are we going to reach this city? Today we have over 10 house churches in that city that is technically closed to the gospel. You see, there's no place that's closed to the Holy Spirit. There is no person that is too hard that God cannot touch. That person that you work with that, you know, they just blow you off and have told you where to go several times. They're not too hard for the Holy Spirit. They're not too hard for the Holy Spirit. But see, here's where it starts. Somebody was willing to give up their comforts of living here in the United States in the best country in the world and willing to go to a place where things aren't quite as nice, quite as easy and willing to give a year or two, three or five years or longer and say, I'll go. 
because they need to hear the good news. You see, I am eternally grateful. I don't know who they are, and I won't meet them until I get to heaven. But somebody went out of their way and invited my grandpa to a meeting in San Francisco. Because of that, he came to know Jesus. And he got filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he married grandma. Then they had my dad. Because of that, he was born in a Christian family. He came to the Lord. Because of that, I was born there. And I have been blessed because somebody went out of their way to make sure that Grandpa would know about Jesus. Some of you have the same story. Some of you, somebody just recently got you to the Lord. Some of you are like me. You're third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation because somebody back there did the job that God's calling you and I to do. See, I imagine today is very much like it was in Isaiah's day. We had incredible worship. The choir was wonderful. Moses, you're doing a good job. You part the water every Sunday, don't you? I know you do. There's just some things that he does, doesn't he? In God's presence. And Isaiah was in his presence that day. And all of a sudden, he overheard God say, who are we going to send to Ethiopia? Who are we going to send to the Ukraine? Who are we going to send to Afghanistan? And Isaiah did. I mean, when you're in God's presence, that's a special place to be. He said, send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. I have no idea what the future holds, and it's probably better that I don't. But I'm willing. I'm willing. God's calling some of you to the elementary schools here in our community. Send me, Lord. What about the company where you work? What about your neighborhood? What about your neighborhood? Man, Janelle and I were praying for our neighbor because, boy, she needed God. But every time I'd see her, I'd want to hit her. You know why? She'd take her dog for a walk, and she always brought him to that little tiny strip of grass that we had in front of our house to let him do his business there. I want to go out and drop kick that dog. But that was the flesh coming out. But that woman needed Jesus. You got neighbors like that. You got some that drive by and the stereo's so loud, all the windows rattle. Right? They need Jesus. They need Jesus. And you know what he's looking is for you and I to say, I'm willing. I'll go. I don't understand. I may not even speak the language, but you have the language in your heart the Holy Spirit's already deposited there. As Pastor Well said a minute ago, God's anointed you. God's anointed you. Will you go? Will you go? Not everybody here is called to go to another country, but all of you are called to reach this community. Every single one of us is called to make the difference here. Will you go? Will you answer his call this morning? Say, yes, Lord just like Isaiah did a while back, just like the person did that changed my family, that changed your family. I'll go, because I want to make a difference in somebody's life. I'll do that. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Thank you, Jesus, that when you guys were having that meeting in heaven, you said, I'll go. I'll go. Because of that, every one of us are here today. We've all been beneficiaries of that. 
Lord, I want to say thank you again for that individual who touched Grandpa's life. Thank you, Lord. Because my entire family has been blessed because somebody was willing to go and make the difference for us. Lord, I pray right now that you'd put a burden on each one of us for the lost, starting right here in our Jerusalem and La Palma and all the surrounding communities, Lord, that we represent. Well, we have a burden for those that are thousands of miles away that in this lifetime we will never meet, but they're just as lost. Touch us, Jesus. I want to help you. I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. While everybody's praying, nobody's looking around, just Holy Spirit's been tugging at your heart. Would you just, you're willing to say yes, would you just simply stand right there where you're seated and say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. Use me. Don't wait for anybody else. But if you're just saying, Lord, I'm willing to be used. Use me. Use me to touch my community. Use me to touch my neighborhood, my school. Use me, Lord. If it means going to another part of the state, another part of the country, or does it mean going to another country? Use me, Jesus. Use me, Jesus. I'm willing. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me. Send me. Send me. Jesus, thank you for all my brothers and sisters here. They're saying, Lord, send me. Send me. Send me. Send me. Can I invite you to just simply raise your hands to heaven? Sign a surrender. Would you do that? That's really. It tells us to lift up holy hands. I know God's touched you. But Lord, I want to pray right now that you would fill them to such a point they cannot keep quiet talking about the wonders that you do, the incredible things that you do. So Lord, pour out of your spirit upon each one of my brothers and sisters right now. Touch them mightily. Touch them mightily. Lord, may they see signs and wonders. May you put incredible courage and faith in them right now so that when someone, they go by someone, they're ill, they're willing to pray for them right then and believe you for the miracle. Lord, we want to see the supernatural. We want this generation to experience your power. So, Lord, I'm asking for that. I'm asking for that. Lord, that there would be such a touch of your spirit. The heavens would be open over this church right here. Everyone that goes by on La Palma Avenue or on Walker, Lord, they would be drawn to your presence because you are doing something incredible in all of our lives. Touch us, Jesus, and use us. Lord, we're believing you for incredible things so that no one would be lost, but that all would come to know you as a Savior. Thank you again, Jesus. Incredible, powerful, wonderful name, I pray. All God's people said, Amen. Pastor. How thrilling to realize that God is doing great things around the world. Miracles are still happening, signs and wonders are still occurring. 
As you find your seat, the ushers are going to be passing out our 2013-2014 Faith Promise card, a Faith Promise commitment. So ushers, if you would just distribute these to each person in the room. As you're receiving this Faith Promise card, I also want you to stop by. How many got the missionary booklet already? How many did not get the missionary booklet? That's the vast majority. Okay, you need this. In this booklet, it lists all of our missionaries that we support every month. And it's exciting to see our arms reaching around the world. And you'll see the variety of places that we are planting seed, foreign soil and home soil. Because I believe that we ought to be planting right here as well. Amen? And so this booklet lists our missionaries. I want you to have this booklet and let it serve as um, a reminder to you to know who our missionaries are, to know their country or the region of ministry, the area of ministry that they're serving. Also, most importantly, I want you to pray for our missionaries. I know Dan is shaking his head. You, you depend on that, don't you? They need our prayers, folks. And we know prayer works. God hears prayer. God answers prayer. So pray for our missionaries. Pray for their health. Pray for their protection. Pray for provision. And pray for a harvest of souls. Also, we've included their email address. So you can correspond with them. And I know that that really means a lot to our missionaries to hear a, a kind word from someone saying, hey, I'm praying for you. I know Norm Price has taken it on his heart. He loves missions. He loves missionaries. And every time one of our missionaries or their children have a birthday, if he knows about it, they're getting a happy birthday from me and La Palma Christian Center. He signs it from me. So I'm getting thank yous from people that I didn't send a birthday greeting, but he does this on my behalf and on our behalf. So I just want to say thank you to Norm and Vi Price for your heart for missions and your heart for missionaries. It means so much. It really does. And I know he's a behind the scenes and he does it because he just, he loves our missionaries. He doesn't want thanks, but uh, I want you to be aware of what's going on behind the scenes. Has everybody received their faith promise card? It just says simply, as God enables me. Dan said something today. It's the pressure is on God. As God enables me, I want to step out in faith and I want to be a part of the great work that God is doing. It takes money, folks. It takes resources. It takes finances. As God enables me, I will express my faith and help take the message of Jesus to all the world by giving to the missions program of La Palma Christian Center. And I understand that this is a faith promise. This is a covenant between me and God, and I will not be asked at any time for payment. Stretch out your faith, step out in faith, and let God do something incredible through your life. Many of you could give substantially every month. If the Spirit prompts you to do that, I want you to do it. It wouldn't be anything for some of you to pledge $1,000 a 
a month to the missions program at La Palma Christian Center. Now I'll say this, this is above your tithe, folks. This isn't part of your tithe. You split it up. This is above and beyond. You're stepping out in faith, believing for God to do miracles all around the world. Would you fill this out and ask God to really move on your heart? How can I be part of this? Every young person, Pastor Dave, I believe, could participate on some level. Every married couple, God challenges Karen and I, it seems, every year, stretch out. We will be leading the way, folks, I promise you. Because we know that so many still need to hear. Amen? Dan, I want to say thank you so much. You and Janelle are a a, a breath of fresh air. And you are a light in darkness. And we are so glad for what you are doing in our network. And thanks for just stopping by today. Thanks for kicking off our missions convention. Didn't you appreciate Dan's word today? Amen. And we pray that God would bless you. Now, I want you to express your thanks beyond your hand clap. Because the hand clap is not going to get them very far down the road. But this isn't about paying for services. This is about investing in soil. Folks, I want you to get an offering ready for the Campbells today. The ushers are coming. Ushers, would you grab the um, uh, offering baskets again? And I want you to come. And I would like everybody to help me bless Dan and Janelle and the great, great work that God has for them right now. A new day and a new way. And it's a strategy by God that he's placed you there. I I believe that with all of my heart. And you'll have wonderful, wonderful fruit. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we delight in the work that you are doing all around the world. We're especially grateful for Dan and Janelle Campbell today. We thank you for bringing them to our doorstep. Thank you for the word that has come forth, God, clearly birthed by you. We pray now, Lord, that we we get to partner and, and we get to be a part of this, Lord. And so we pray for your blessing on this offering, Lord, and the seeds that we're planting into this great, great soil that's already been worked, it's already been turned over and tilled by your hand. And God, we just pray for Dan and Janelle. Hmm, hallelujah. We pray for health today. Church, would you mind just stretching your... I know we're in the middle of an offering prayer, but I feel like we ought to just pray for Dan and Janelle. Give me my pastors and elders right quick. We can multitask, can't we? I'm going to wrap two prayers up in one right here. Come on and get me some anointing oil. Pastor Dan, bring your wife right up here to the front. We want to anoint you with oil. I believe that God has something brand new. Sig, would you bring Judy? Please help me come and pray. Hallelujah. God's got something wonderful and powerful in store for your life. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, that you order the steps of the righteous. We thank you, God, that in your timing, hallelujah, which is so wonderful and so perfect, that you will close a door so that you can open a new door, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you are putting things in their hearts, God, things that they've not shared with another soul, and you are birthing something new. You are giving new vision in Jesus' name, new inspiration, God, that is coming from the throne. Hallelujah. And we pray, Lord, that this would just continue, God, to reach across the world. Hallelujah. Use them right here, God, in this new position, in this new placement. 
Bless them, God, and give them a harvest, Lord. A great, great harvest in Jesus' mighty name. We pray your blessing on the children, Lord. We thank you for the heritage, God, that has continued to go down. And the grandchildren, Lord, that will do far more should you tarry. Hallelujah. They will take up the burden. They will take up the mantle, God. And they will do far more, God, than Dan and Janelle ever dreamed of. Let that be so. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, ushers, let's, let's bless the Campbells today. Hallelujah. God's good, church. God is good and he's building his kingdom. We ought not be surprised by that. Jesus said himself, I will build my church and the very gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it or stand against it. Jesus said it, Jesus meant it, and it's happening right now. And we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of the building project. Get your hard hat on. You're part of a construction zone. Hallelujah. Jesus is building his church and he's using you and he's using me to get the job done. How exciting. How thrilling is that? Amen. I always want to preach a little bit, Dan. It's just in my blood. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to make sure all the offer, everybody get the chance to, to bless the Campbells. Amen. I want you to go to the walls as soon as I dismiss you. I want you to go to the walls and I want you to see the needs that are represented and I want you to get these post-its, take these post-its that you think you could help us. There's coloring pencils. There's, there's coloring books. I mean, it's, it's something everybody could participate in. Or if you just want to give money, you know what? We still take money here. If you just want to say, Pastor, Here's, well, here's $3,000. Ooh, did you feel that? You go get everything you need. You let the Holy Spirit speak to you. But let's see God do great, great things all around the world. Amen, amen. Everybody standing. Pastor Moses, would you just ask God to bless us and go with us as we leave this place? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your presence in this place. We thank you for your your spirit, God, we thank you for touching our lives, for challenging us today, God. I pray, God, that we would step up, God, and take a hold of this challenge, God, that we would be the church that you've called us to be, Father. Um, I pray, Lord God, so many of those that need to hear your gospel message, God, and I pray, God, that you would open our eyes, God, that you would give us hearts of compassion. Father, we thank you, God, as we begin uh, this uh, missions conference, God, that you would uh, begin to transform our hearts and transform our lives, God, that we would never be the same. We ask you this today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.